Hey everyone, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and I want to welcome back all my lovely, loyal listeners. And if you are new to this podcast series, I'm so delighted that you're here. And if you like what you're hearing today, please subscribe on Spotify and iTunes. And if you really like what you're hearing today, my loyal listeners and new listeners, please write a review because those reviews keep other peeps coming to this podcast. Possibly you might be instrumental in changing someone's life by having them check out a new podcast like the one that we're going to have today. So the Hormone Lifestyle Zone is about demystifying women's hormonal issues and struggles and all the stuff that dances in between. It's that nitty gritty stuff that we get to take a look at. And my mission, my intention during each episode is to provide you with information that is educational, current, based in science, and incredibly digestible, allowing you to make smart, informed choices regarding foods, food items that you pick up at the supermarket, personal care products that you may purchase at such supermarkets as Kroger, Harris Teeter, even Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. It's important that you become a really badass consumer, that you know what you're taking home, that the choices that you're making, what's landing in your shopping cart is what will eventually end up and land on your table, feeding your family or feeding yourself. So we want to be aware of those additives and those chemicals. For example, personal care products that so many women use, the creams, the lotions, the facial serums. I love my serums. Shampoo, lipsticks, they can be tremendous endocrine disruptors because anything that you put on your skin is going to bypass your liver and it goes directly into your bloodstream. And some of the biggest endocrine disruptors for teenagers are cosmetics. So we're going to take a deeper dive into this today. And the title of the podcast is, let's take a deep dive into Hashimoto's disease. I have a wonderful guest that's going to be joining me in a few minutes. His name is Dr. Von Watts. I'm going to have him share his story of how he has gotten involved in functional medicine. And I believe he has created or he's coined a phrase called foundational medicine. This is where we take a look at drainage, which is pre-detoxification. And I'm going to have him explain more of that. But I met Vaughn, gosh, about a year ago, and I had been on a call with a clinic going over stool results, and they had recommended some products at Cellcor. So I was put in touch with Vaughn Watts, and we had this incredible connection. And he now has become my go-to when I need to get some insight on clients and he's my sounding board when working with clients that I have really challenging issues with. So I get some really great feedback. He's kind of changed the direction in how I am looking at my clients right now. So I just want to lead into this before I bring Vaughn on. We're going to talk about Hashimoto's disease, which is classified as an autoimmune disorder that can damage the thyroid. And the immune system creates antibodies that attack and target thyroid cells. It destroys part of the thyroid gland. So here's the question and the topic of today's podcast that I'm going to explore with uh, Vaughn is what's causing the dysfunction in the body to trigger an immune response to go on the attack? And the attack is on the canary in the coal mine, our thyroids. My acupuncture teacher, Kiko Matsumoto, had said years ago when I was in school, your thyroid is the dumping ground of toxins. And the dumping grounds of toxins have accelerated over the past few decades. We are presently exposed to more and more chemicals and pesticides, among other endocrine disruptors than ever before. So today we are going to talk about drainage, which is the precursor to detoxification. We're going to talk about optimal mitochondrial function. We will talk about foundational medicine. You're going to hear more and more of that. And we will explore the root causes of why woman's immune system goes into overdrive, triggering Hashimoto's disease. So Vaughn, without further ado, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here and always a pleasure speaking with you. I love talking to you. We have the best conversations. We really do, actually. We really do. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're kind of cut from the same cloth. I always love, and I love the fact that you take the time to sit down or we do, everything is virtual these days, yeah. but I feel this really great connection. And that's why I have you on the show today. Can you share with our listeners, give them your background. How did you end up where you are in what you're doing today? Gosh, I when I, when I go through my background, it's kind of funny because people look at me and go, "How old are you?" Because you seem like you've done a lot of things. <laughs> I just I just have a, a different background, you know. I got, got out of high school and um, after high school, did some missionary work down in Venezuela for a couple years mm -hmm. and lived there and lived in, I mean, some really small pueblos and learned to speak fluent Spanish. Obviously, when you're yeah. living out in the middle of the sticks down there, beautiful country, beautiful place. Came home from there and I decided, you know, I was looking at wanting to to do, kind of go uh, work for one of the three-letter agencies in the government. I was looking at, you know, the FBI. And so I joined the Marine Corps and, and I did uh, signals intelligence. So I worked for, actually ended up working for a three-letter agency, worked for the NSA for four years. And I did counterterrorism in Southeast Asia. And um, oh, wow. actually, uh, believe it or not, actually worked out of, that's how I met my wife, that bunny that you've, you've met in, uh, from Hawaii. I actually worked in the same facility that Edward Snowden was in, but I was about hmm. six years, five, six years before he, he was there, but got out of the Marine Corps and it was just a number of years later, went to chiropractic school. Oh, well, actually let me back that up. When I, while I was in the Marine Corps, I actually, uh, I, I broke my neck while I was in, in the Marine Corps and C4, C5. Wow. And, you know, I had, I had neck pain afterwards. I mean, luckily I, I, the it was, uh, if you're going to break your neck, it's the right way to break it. I, I broke the spinous processes. Uh, it didn't break. So the integrity of the, the vertebra was still intact. It was just the, the areas where some of the ligaments hang on. The, the mm -hmm. place of the spots that you can touch on the back of your spine, those those broke off, which still nevertheless caused extreme pain and inactivity for about nine months. It had pain for another, you know, probably three years while I was in the Marine Corps and got out the Marine Corps. And, you know, I grew up with chiropractic. My mom was one of those weirdos that was into eating, you know, healthy food and, and these nutritional supplements, which was weird back in the early 80s and chiropractors. It was all a bunch of weird stuff. <laughs> now it's mainstream. I, I, you know, what's so funny. It's like, oh, you're eating weird things. No, you're eating real food. Real food. Yeah. <laughs> And so back then in the early eighties, it was always kind of weird kooky stuff. Now everybody's at Trader Joe's, you know? So it's, it's great to see that times have changed and that people are, are taking more of an active role in their health. But anyways, so when I got out of the Marine Corps, you know, I started going back to a chiropractor and within three months, two, three months, my neck pain was gone. This November will be 22 years since I broke my neck. I have no neck problems. You know, I've stayed That's chiropractic right. and Ended up actually going to chiropractic school afterwards, mm -hmm. becoming a chiropractor. And within, gosh, it wasn't even a month, a month out of chiropractic school, I decided I want to really go more towards functional medicine and, mm -hmm. and started moving that route and, and then kind of specialized more in Hashimoto's. My mom dealt with some thyroid issues and, and honestly, I didn't really pick it. I guess the crazy thing is I didn't even pick Hashimoto's as, as something to specialize in. I was just doing functional medicine and it seemed... I got thyroid patients and then had great success with it. And then my practice turned into 98% thyroid, never marketed thyroid. It just, I guess it just kind of naturally went the way it needed to go. And, and I enjoy it and I, and I love it. And there's, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the thyroid. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of mistreatment. Yes. A lot, a lot. By a lot. endocrinologists and other practitioners with the thyroid, even natural docs that in, treated incorrectly. And so there's a, there's a lot to dive into about the thyroid. And when you understand really what's going on, you can see that it's actually not a very difficult thing to get under control, but yet there's like 80 some, 88% of women in the United States suffer from it's thyroid. It's interesting because they say one out of eight women are affected by Hashimoto's or some type of thyroid disorder. I disagree with that. I think it's a lot higher. Yeah, I think it's higher. I think it's in the 80s because a lot of people that have thyroid issues that have no mm. idea they even have thyroid issues. Oh, I know. Or I've had people come into my office mm. and I'm like, your TSH is at eight and your doctor doesn't want to do anything. 
But here's another interesting fact, because as you know, I have a PCOS program called the PCOS Revolution. So I'm always researching things. But women with PCOS, Hashimoto's occurs in women with PCOS three to four times greater than women without PCOS. That's pretty powerful. That is very... And we'll go into that, you know, and as I've said, women with PCOS, they don't detox in the same way, those heavy metals and those chemicals as women with non-PCOS. And also they have a state of estrogen dominance. So that comes into play with the thyroid. And Vaughn, just to clarify a little for our listeners, one of the factors contributing to estrogen dominance for women with PCOS is that they're not ovulating on a regular monthly basis. They have a period every three, six months. It can be erratic. And they're not producing progesterone that would occur during the luteal phase because they're not ovulating. And this progesterone is there to balance the estrogen. There's this incredible dance that takes place between estrogen and progesterone. And there are many women in a state of estrogen dominance, and I'm not just talking about women with PCOS, but I see this in my clients that have endometriosis and fibroids and cystic breast issues and PMS and estrogen-related cancers. They're not clearing, they're not detoxing estrogen efficiently or optimally due to impaired liver function. So they're recirculating estrogen. And prolonged exposure to excess estrogen can interfere with thyroid function, contributing to elevated TSH that we see in hypothyroid and the development of thyroid antibodies that we see with Hashimoto's disease. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting too. I look back on my family history. I have two brothers that are chiropractors, but my mother had Hashimoto's and they removed three quarters of her thyroid back in the, I think, late 50s. Wow. Be curious to know. And, and in my family, that is the, the weak predisposition. That's the weak link in the chain, as Tom O'Brien would say. That's where things land in with siblings and actually with nieces and nephews that have Hashimoto's. This is a, it's how do we support the body so that genetic expression doesn't have to express itself in an right. autoimmune issue. Well, that, that comes down to that epigenetics and, you know, yes, absolutely. I was just markers, say. So we doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean those things need to turn on. Like we can, you absolutely. know, proper yeah. diet lifestyle, we can avoid those things. So yeah, absolutely. That's and, the beauty of, of all this, right? Absolutely. Let's talk about what I think it's, it is interesting. We kind of end up in what we do because it just organically happens. When I first started practicing, I was doing a lot with fertility And that's actually when I started noticing that women were having these underlying thyroid issues. And I was, there was a really wonderful uh, Dana Cohen in New York. I used to refer uh, clients to her with thyroid issue. And right now I I live in Atlanta and uh, I was in South Carolina and there's a really good functional medicine doc, uh, Dr. Brittany Henderson. And I actually sent my Georgia clients to see her. I mean, if there was, I wish there, I could find a really good functional medicine endocrinologist right here where I live, hopefully. And she's a functional endocrinologist, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, really that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I yeah, love we, her. We've she's had great. talks about her. She, she, I, and the, some of the stuff that you recommended, yeah, she, she, uh, yeah. I don't know her personally, but from our talks, she definitely, definitely knows what she's doing. Very, very, yeah, she's really good. I like, and she also did a lot of research. So I feel, you know, because as you said, I think what's important, I want you to get into this. We have to look at what, even if someone has hypothyroid and they're not in an autoimmune state of Hashimoto's, we have to take a look at what's triggering, why is it landing in the thyroid? So I'm going to leave you with that. Yeah. So, so I mean, if I kind of, back, I, if you want, I, let me go kind of go through kind of history and how I kind of landed in this and, and yes, how I please. went into like foundational medicine um, in my practice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I obviously took a lot of, you know, a, a ton, a ton of years of postgraduate education in, in functional, uh, functional medicine and, and specifically towards the thyroid. And, even with that training, you come back into practice and you're running blood panels and you're, you know, you've run very comprehensive panels. Like my panels are usually eight, nine pages of blood work. Cause I don't just look at the thyroid and one, I don't just mm-hmm. look at the TSH, T3, T4. We look at a comprehensive thyroid panel with antibodies, reverse T3, T3 uptake, 
there's a number of markers that we run, but I also run, you know, a CMP, CBC, a lipid panel, full iron panel, a whole bunch of other biomarkers, kidney markers, inflammation markers. Um, Cause we want to look at the body, nothing in the body operates on its own. No system is independent. Even though we have different systems in the body, they all work in conjunction or they all affect right. other things as well. Like for example, thyroid, a huge one is the liver. That's, that's a huge part. If the liver is not functioning properly, I mean, you're, the whole thyroid pathway is, is disrupted. And so I remember running all these panels and, and I got to the point where I was having patients that would get better and then they, they drop down again and they get better. I call my little roller coaster patients. And as a practitioner, and in my opinion, as a good practitioner, those are the patients that keep you up at night because you're just banging your head against the wall. Like, why are you not Mm -hmm. getting better and staying better? And it was starting to get frustrating. And I got to the point where I started feeling like I'm just chasing blood markers. I'm just chasing markers. There's got to be something else, a different component to this. And this was probably 2016, a number of years ago, not too long ago. But not I remember sitting down, in my, sitting down in my office and just sitting there going through a case and looking at it and going, there's got to be just a simpler way. There's something I'm missing. And I finally came to realizations like, you know, everything that we are is a direct reflection of what we put on our body or in our body. Like you said about <laughs> lotions, potions, and whatever. Anything you put on your body <laughs> absorbs into your blood within 30 seconds, yeah. right? right? So same thing, anything you put in your mouth, your body is going to break it down in the stomach. It's going to absorb through the intestines. It's going to transport and, and uptake through the liver and, and, and filter through the kidneys. So all these organ functions need to be functioning properly, first off. Because if we want to get all the proper nutrients, vitamins, minerals, uh, fats, sugars, all the things that we need for our body to operate properly, for each different system in our body to operate properly, we need to be able to, one, break those things down, digest them, uptake them, and and move them through the body where they need to go. And so I kind of just sat back and I was like, you know what, maybe this is the key. Before I start working on people, I need to take a foundational approach. I look at functional medicine as the root cause, but I'm going to take this foundational approach, mm-hmm. what I call foundational medicine, which is I got to do the lay a, a, the foundational work first before I even start treating any condition. And so, what I, in my own thing, I coin is like foundational medicine is the precursor to functional medicine. So before I start treating any patient of mine, I spend four months with every patient going in and cleaning out just cleaning the body out, ensuring that their stomach is working properly, that we're not dealing with H. pylori or acid reflux, or in many cases with acid reflux, we're dealing with hypochloridria, which is low stomach acid. Mm -hmm. Because if we have stomach dysfunction, well, then we can't break everything down the way we need to before it even gets to the intestines, right? We got to have our intestines have to be functioning properly, our liver, our kidneys. Um, And what are the things that can disrupt some of those other things? Parasites, mold heavy metals, glyphosates, environmental toxins, all these things that we're exposed to through, believe it or not, foods and water supply and, and like you said, makeup and lotions and all different things that we put on our body, sunscreen, all these different things that we put on or in our body. Like the, like the, the adage, you know, you look at the bottle and if there's more, more than four or five ingredients, you probably shouldn't eat it or put it on your body. Yeah. But if you can't pronounce half of the, half the words, you probably shouldn't use it, right? And so these things have these different chemicals that then disrupt organ function and disrupt pathway function. So with the thyroid specifically, if we're dealing with these things, and now I'm dealing with decreased liver function, that's a huge problem. Or we're putting things on that are that are affecting hormone regulation. Mm-hmm. That also is a direct reflection, which can then affect the thyroid. Or if we're exposed to, say, glyphosate, which is a big one, especially with Hashimoto's and autoimmune thyroid. I'm not going to say all. I would never say all, but I would say the vast majority, most of the patients I ever dealt with with Hashimoto's all also had intestinal permeability or a lot of people know it as leaky gut. Where can, can I just share something yeah. in light of this? Absolutely. So I just, I had a client, and I think we even, I, I may have discussed it with you, and she was very adamant about she didn't want to do stool testing. She didn't want to do any mycotoxin testing. And she had Hashimoto's, elevated thyroid antibodies. 
failed IVF cycles, terrible IBS. I love IBS when, you know, issues. And we finally got the stool test back last two weeks ago. She has liver flukes. She had shown markers, and her family is a family history of breast cancer, that of an elevated beta-glucuronidase. And beta-glucuronidase, when it's elevated, you're not detoxing estrogen efficiently. But I just got back her mycotoxin. She had black mold exposure. So now... Does she have... uh, She had stomach acid and, I mean... She had breast implants? No. Okay. It's curious. That's a big one. No, I think of that too. No. But it was now... This is why it's really important for people to see these tests. Yeah. I had another person say, this is... You're actually very influential in in much of, of... what I've been doing as a recent, or at least with the, the product, the, the company that you work with, you really get me to think because I think there's a lot of cutting edge products and philosophy to Cellcore that really is in great need right now in terms of doing foundational medicine. So uh, to support functional approach to healing. But yeah, and guess what I have her on? I have her on a product, HM, heavy metal and environmental. HMT. Uh, Biden. Yeah, I'm screw that one up. Yeah, and she's on that. <laughs> Environmental toxin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I will put her on a carboxy and other things. But it's. I think what is so important. I want you to get back. I see a lot of docs look at stool tests, but they're not getting to the root. They're not hearing the story. They have to go deeper. And I think that 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 deeper part is yes. You, you've got to make sure they're digesting their food, looking at stomach acid and pancreatic enzymes. And making sure that you're supporting phase one and two of the liver, but also making sure that the bowels are open. I mean, all, and I've seen, maybe I've seen a lot of functional docs kind of bypass some stuff and looking at parasites. hundred percent. In functional medicine, the typical functional medicine training, a lot of training I had, we didn't really talk much about some of these toxins. We talked more about mm-hmm. disease and getting yeah. to the root cause of the disease. Oh, so thyroid, well, what's the root cause? Is it is it intestinal permeability, which is causing you know your immune system to flare up, which is then in turn attacking your thyroid? Is it your liver? So it's finding the root cause of that. Well, what if it is the liver? Is it really just, hey, we, we need to give some liver support? Or are we dealing with liver flukes? Are we dealing with heavy metals? Are we dealing with mold? And that's the piece that was missing with a lot of this training. And so yeah. for me now in that foundational phase that I go through, I go through and we, we clear out all of those organs, ensure that they're working for, properly. We make sure that we clear out any mold, mycotoxins, mm-hmm. heavy metals, environmental toxins, parasites. We're trying to clear all that out. And we're also trying to ensure that we're increasing mitochondrial energy so that the one, the body and the human <laughs> with that body can one, handle the detox, but also not just be completely slammed. So could you break down a little, because a lot of people don't understand it, talk about the importance of mitochondrial function. It's such an integral part of who we are and as a marker of our health. Yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously, mitochondria is, so you think about every cell in the body, mitochondria is the the powerhouse in the cell. Mm -hmm. So it's the engine that, that goes and it creates, you know, the ATP that we have in our body which causes energy. So every time you open and close your hand, you're utilizing ATP, you know, energy, our gasoline, human gasoline, right? Well, mitochondria is what creates that. So obviously the healthier the cell, the more mitochondria we have, the greater ability that our cells have to detox, have to function properly, the energy for just our body, for our mind. So mitochondria is a huge aspect. And a lot of people, they go straight into detox and they miss two important parts about detox. One is ensuring that the body has enough energy to detox by increasing mitochondria and ATP production, but also ensuring that before we start detoxing, that the organs that we are detoxing are draining first. Because if we're trying to detox and, and you have a patient that's constipated, oh man, you're going to put them in a world of pain Yeah, and we're not going to get anything out. So even before the detox, we need to go through and ensure that the bowels are open and clearing, the liver is clearing, the gallbladder, the kidneys, that all these organs are, are flushing and clearing properly. Then go back in and like you run these different tests. There's a lot of different tests. You can run stool tests. There's a lot of different tests through 
Great Plains Laboratories and Vibrant America. Yeah, um, Vibrant's really these, pretty good. Yeah. Vibrant's really good. Yeah, they, they test all these different mycotoxins and molds and parasites, mm-hmm. all these different things. So once you know kind of what you need to treat, before you start going in and clearing those out, you definitely make sure that those organs can open and clear first. Then we go in. So you're, you're getting drainage function and mitochondrial function need to be first. Then you move into detoxing. Then once you detox, what I always did, and I always ran a, a panels, my panels before we did any treatment. This is just the way I practice because I want to know what their baseline is, what's going on. And then we go through that four-month foundational phase where we increase mitochondrial production, open drainage pathways, and detox out whatever it is that we're, we're dealing with. Then at the end of that four months, I run a whole other comprehensive. I run those same panels again because I want to see what changed. Because what I found in my practice, when I switched to this model and this foundational approach, on average, between 65 and 80% of the markers that were showing dysfunctional or, or like out of the functional range or, out, or actually out of uh, pathological range, completely normalized just mm. by doing a couple of things, changing their diet, opening drainage pathways, increasing mitochondrial function and detoxing out these organs and getting these organs to function now at a high level. So now when I move into what I call then the functional medicine phase, which is now the treatment phase of say Hashimoto's. So that first mm-hmm. four months, I would never touch Hashimoto's. I go through and I'm just doing that foundational work. Then we right. rerun panels. And what I found is that a lot of the white noise, things that we thought were issues, just by clearing up those organs and clearing up the toxins, they just, they're gone. They're no longer showing up. And now what's really left, what's really actually causing issues with the body is still showing in those markers. Now we move into that treatment or functional medicine phase. And now we get down, okay, now what's the root? I've cleared all this out. What's the root cause of this Hashimoto patient? Is this truly a liver issue? Is this a, you know, whatever it is, there's a number, there's so many different things that can cause it, but then you move into that part. And that's when that's honestly, that's when I started seeing massive results with patients. I started taking treatment plans that were eight to 12 months where I had some patients that were like on the low spectrum of Hashimoto's. I never moved into a treatment plan because that four months, just by clearing out that and getting those organs functioning properly, they were good to go. And then anywhere from like four to six months was like my average Hashimoto patients, getting them back into regular life and eating normal foods again. And by normal, I mean healthy foods, not going out and eating a bunch of junk food, but being able to, to, to handle eating certain foods that normally would trigger them, you know, and I'm, and I'm kind of a probably controversial in this statement because there is so much said about uh, gluten and gluten is, you know, root cause of thyroid issues and Hashimoto's and you stay away from gluten. And, 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 and I go deeper than that. It's like, well, but gluten can't affect you unless it gets into the blood. Right. So if it's, how does it do that? Well, intestinal permeability, leaky gut. Yeah. So what's causing the leaky gut? Well, why don't we look, work on, what is it really the gluten that's the problem? Or is it the intestinal permeability and whatever it is that's causing those, those tight junctions to open? And what we found in a lot of the research now in PubMed and, and a number of different research articles, it's showing that glyphosate, which is sprayed, you know, ground up, it's sprayed on a yeah. lot of our foods. It's found in a lot of foods, even unfortunately, has been found in fruits and vegetables. Organic. And, and that are labeled yeah. organic. Yeah. Glyphosate causes those tight junctions to open, which in turn, now the gluten's getting in. Now, mind you, a lot of foods, now there's a chicken and egg, a lot of foods that contain gluten are also can have high levels of glyphosate. So there, there is that element as well. But if you really look at the root cause, is it the gluten or is it the glyphosate? You know? There's a number of different ways to look at it. And so for what I do with my patients, one once we clear all these things out, Hashimoto's, uh, we clear out the organs and get them functioning. We go in and we do a lot of gut repair. We repair that gut yeah. lining and repair the microbiome. And then for those patients that are prone to that, I keep it like you just mentioned the product HMBT binder. That's an yeah. amazing product for clearing glyphosate. So I keep them on a maintenance. They stay on a maintenance dose of that. And I have patients... They do it because I think they want to test the waters. I'll get these these text messages or emails. Hey, doc, I just first time in four years, I had two slices of pizza and it didn't hurt me or do anything. And I'm like, that's great news. That means, you know, that's good. But, you know, let, 
I don't know that I want to make a habit of that. Um, <laughs> right. I understand life happens at the same time, you know, we want to still try to maintain a healthy lifestyle, but, but the very fact that they can eat that and handle it even on an occasional basis, or in many times you go into restaurants and you say you are still gluten-free, you go into a restaurant and maybe something's been gluten contaminated. Well, yeah. now these patients that even were sensitive enough to that, just gluten contamination are not experiencing those problems anymore. And so. we're not talking about people with celiac. So I want to clarify right, right. there. No, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, talking we're just talking about this. There. Right. And th th that's important. I agree with you. And, you know, a lot of times I question, you know, whether or not to do food sensitivity right away, because you know, somebody's going to be reacting to everything. And that's crazy. So sometimes I do an elimination where I will take out the gluten and the dairy and the soy and the eggs and minimize alcohol and a couple of other things. Right. Those are the big kahunas and quieting things down, working on drainage and getting and healing the gut. That's the key right there is healing I mean, the that's gut. the key. It's the gut. I mean, I know for myself, okay, I'm going to share it. So I had, it was a variety of things. I lived in Charleston, had a lot of mold exposure. When I came to Georgia, I had some residual stuff going on from having COVID. And I used the drainage protocol on myself and I could, the phase one, and I couldn't get over how different I felt. I felt like somebody actually cleared the filters in my internal pool and my energy shifted. And then oh, I went into phase two and because I felt it was important, as you had recommended and been reading up a lot, you have to clear the gut. And part of the gut clearing is addressing parasites and bacteria because they harbor viruses and mycotoxins and, and a lot of stuff. So I started I was on a program for a uh, protocol for a few weeks and I actually called you and I'm like, I don't know. And you said, you need to add, add para three and para three is, is part of a parasite clearing formula. And all of a sudden I just started passing things. Is and that, the, is that I, the craziest thing you start? I mean, I, I passed something at the eco. I, you were at eco yeah. and, and I passed this long roundworms, and I was passing off and on for, I don't know, a good month or so. And it was yeah. amazing. And I felt so different. Yeah. And I just want to ask you, because I have thyroid issues too, and on a compound medication. Oh, I forgot the point I was trying to make here. Ooh, 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 ooh. Well, you know what? While you're thinking of that, can I touch on something? Yeah, you please you about go. Food sensitivity. Oh, yeah. My food sensitivity started and things I was sensitive to. Not having issues. See, and that's where I was going with. Uh, that's where I, I just was like, I stopped running those those panels in my office. And like I said, some of these things I'm saying, I understand there's other practitioners that may be listening to this, or other people have different opinions, and I respect people's opinions. I just go off mm -hmm. of my my clinical experience. I stopped running food sensitivity panels because as I started talking to patients, you go, okay, why well, I can't eat this, I can't eat that, I can't eat this, mm -hmm. and, and one of the first questions I ask is, have you always been that way, or that just started? like in the last number of years or whatever. And um, the vast majority say, oh, no, this has just been the last five, 10 years, or, you know, since my late 20s. So all growing up, you were fine with these things. You never had any, oh, no, no. So whenever I hear that kind of pattern, to me, it's like, well, that doesn't sound like food sensitivity. That sounds like you have intestinal issues or <laughs> we're leaky gut. Leaky gut, because yeah. we're creatures yeah. of habit and we right. tend to eat the same foods. So as we get exposed to those same foods over and over and they're seeping through into the blood where they don't belong, your body starts to develop these sensitivities or in some cases, even autoimmune issues. Do you have time? I got a quick story about this yeah, girl please. I met on an airplane. So I'm actually flying back from uh, Health Expert Alliance, HEA. This was uh, okay. in February. Um, and I was down there in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. And, and I just want to let the HEA is actually even a program I belong to. It's for... It's for a lot of health practitioners that are doing virtual telehealth and working around the country and helping people. Yeah, it's a good program. But as I'm coming back, and this is the first time I've been in Atlanta for uh, probably six years. I just, mm -hmm. I travel a lot, but I just hadn't been to Atlanta for years. And I get on this plane and I'm in a window seat and there's a, a lady that's on the aisle and you could tell she had some health issues, a little bit larger lady. And, and I had to get up to use the restroom. 
And it was such a struggle for her to get up that when I came back, the, the, the aisle across was open. There was like two seats open. I wasn't going to make the poor lady get back up. Like it, it just, mm-hmm. I, I was like, you know, stay there. It's okay. I'll, I'll just sit right next to you right here. And I looked at, there was a, looked like a college age girl sitting there. I was like, you mind if I sit here? And she's like, yeah, fine. Sat there, press the flight. We get off and we're late. Like we landed after our flight is supposed to be leaving. So I'm running to try to get to my flight. Luckily, like the one time all these flight delays <laughs> actually worked out, made my flight get on on the plane. And sure enough, this young lady that was the, the college age young lady sat right next to me, middle seat. I'm in, on the, the window seat again. And I look over, I'm like, oh, you again. I'm like, you know, what, what are the chances right. we're flying back to Boise, Idaho from Atlanta? <laughs> oh, God. And we have to kind of sit here. Now you're sitting right next to me. And I look down and she has like this cooler. And so um, I just kind of look, I'm like, oh, I'm like, what's the cooler for? And she starts going, oh, you know, I, was, you know, I have to make my own food because I, I have a very, very strict diet. She's like 22 years mm-hmm. old, right? And she starts going through and we start talking and I'm um, starting into health background. It's a lot of health issues. She had some major hip issues that she had lots of surgeries on as a younger kid. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. they're pumping her full of antibiotics for years, which you just instantly, I know your gut is destroyed. Yeah, it's destroyed. Now she's 22 years old and she can't eat anything. Mm. So I started talking to her. I said, and, and I mean, this is the point where this, we got a point where this young lady is like almost in tears, like explaining this. She's got a fiance. It's it's tough because you know they're trying to start a life together, and she's dealing with all these health problems that she shouldn't even have to deal with. And so I told her, "Say, hey, you know what?" I explained to her what I do. Mm-hmm. I said, "You know, what? I want to do this." I said, "I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it for you." She's a college kid, doesn't have money, can't afford stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually I'm comping her the our comprehensive protocol. Right? She's on phase, so she's on the fourth month. Oh, she that's just, so sweet that you did that. Can you also let people know what you do at Cellcore after this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So she sent me this text message yesterday, actually. Let me read this to you. Sure. She goes, good morning. Uh, just an update. My stomach is great, all caps. It has not been this good in so many years. I have pretty much tried everything, onions, garlic, all kinds of spices, celery, soy, dairy, fruits, and vegetables. All of those things bothered me before. None of those things I could eat before. The only thing I haven't tried is spinach yet, but I tried it a month or so ago. I'm going to try it again. So all these foods she couldn't even touch. Here we're on the fourth month. And now she's, her entire life is, is, is transformed. She says, I'm just gonna read the whole thing just to get the whole vibe. So I'm staying away from lettuce and things of that nature at the moment. I will try it again in a month or so, but I am back to eating normal. My fiance have shared real meals, not plain rice and plain chicken type meals, but delicious meals together the last couple of weeks. Aww. Something we have never been able to do in the four years we've been together. I had my first slice of pizza on Saturday. You're going to make me cry. I can eat at <laughs> restaurants now without anxiety. Seriously has changed my life. And this is only month four. I get emotional every time I talk about it. One of the biggest blessings. I just can't thank you enough. Now, this isn't about me, wow. but this is about this poor young lady, yeah. like 22 years old, 23 years old, oh something like God. that, and can't eat anything. She carries a cooler with her everywhere because that's the only safe way she can eat without having. So when it comes back to these, like I'm saying, these food sensitivities, oftentimes we're told you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you're food sensitive to this or that. My opinion, a lot of that is actually massive gut dysfunction. And when you heal that gut, you can start reintroducing some of these things and not have any issues. Now, when you're dealing with celiacs and these other, I'm, I'm talking yeah, food sensitivities. I'm not talking about other medical conditions, but it's amazing. And a lot of these thyroid patients that you deal with, and a lot of anybody mm-hmm. that's on this podcast who deals with thyroid issues, they can probably attest that they have a number of food sensitivities. I would bet yeah. the vast majority have different food sensitivities or they eat certain things, it triggers certain other issues they're dealing with, certain thyroid symptoms, their hair thinning, their you know anxiety, depression, a brain fog, lack of energy. A lot of these symptoms can be triggered by some of these foods they're eating as well, which it can be mistaken as, oh, I ate this food, which is trigger, which is the root cause of my Hashimoto's. It's like, well, mm, uh, no, it's a factor in there, but there's more work to be done. 
What I love about this conversation and the way that I've been thinking more and more since you and I've been talking for the past year, it's looking at the root rootiest cause and it goes back it. to the gut. We need to coin I love that. it. Root rootiest. <laughs> root rootiest cause. That's, that's my, it. you can coin my phrase. Because you have to look at the gut. It's the epicenter. So question, and did you also add Ultra GI Max Pro? I add that on every single patient. Okay, good. We'll, we'll 100% get... of my patients. Now this is, a, so oh, they'll go back. So I, so what I do, I am the vice president of sales for Cellcore Biosciences. Yeah, let's... <laughs> and we're a highly niche nutraceutical company where we specialize in parasite, mold, heavy metals, mycotoxins, yeah. mitochondria function, uh, mm-hmm. drainage. So that, that's kind of what we're, we're not your vitamin D omega-3 supplement company. We're very specific. And we, we have a, a carbon technology, which is uh, nobody else has on the market. It's a newer technology, which uh, helps with the absorption rate, but also can be very specific in how things are detoxed. So GI Pro Max or Ultramax or whichever one you're using, that's another company, but phenomenal product. And I use it side by side with Cellcore products. Um, on 100% of my patients. I mean, you probably every every case you've brought to me, we've talked about. That's what I do, and, <laughs> I'm like, and I have. I think I work for that company because I'm like. No, I know we, we love Dr. Stuart Hoover. He's wonderful, but I have a little girl who's 10 years old, and I'm putting her on it. I mean, she's got, and the the beauty of this product is that it's got a prebiotic, a probiotic. It's got things to heal and seal the gut. It's amazing. It's got polyphenols. Yeah. It's got repair. I mean, it's like four products in one and it tastes good and it's simple. It's very overwhelming and daunting to clients to be on a kajillion things for their gut. But yes, I, we're jumping all over and I love it. Yeah, because Cellcore, you are, you're very specific niche. And I think this is a niche that is really the missing piece for a lot of chronic illness. Also, what I like about using Cellcore products, and this is important with thyroid and any autoimmune or any kind of illness, is the binders. You know, it's that that carbon technology. Maybe we can talk a little about binders because that's huge. It's what I love about your binders is that they pull things, they draw things out uh, on a gut level, but also on a cellular systemic level, and that's profound. Most people aren't familiar with like humic and fulvic acid and fulvic, not right. folic, F-U-L-V-I-C. And, and the thing about, about that is the fulvic acid gets down. Humic acid stays, um, they're long chain carbon, so they stay more in the gut, whereas the fulvic are small and medium chain, so they go systemic. And fulvic acid does, it gets down to the cellular level and it increase, it, it increases the electrical charge of the cell membrane. But you can have a number of different fulvics, and depending on, on the electrical conductivity and the pH level, these fulvics can, in their carbon structure, they can do different things. So they can come in and they can be just basically feed the cell, or they can come and just be a, for lack of a better term, a chelator, a pull things that don't belong out, or they can be adaptogenic and they can come in and they can drop, like we call it the school bus, they can drop off the good kids and pick up the naughty kids. But the binders are amazing. The, the amazing thing about these binders too, a lot of people are used to different binders, you know, where, you know, charcoals and uh, different things where you cannot eat other foods, foods or take other supplements while you're taking that. Like at the same time, you have to take them way apart. Our binders you can take with food, you can take with other supplements. They are very specific at what they go after and bind. And so it makes it much easier from a, a compliance standpoint as well, when you don't have to, you know, you take this here and then I got to wait a few hours and then over here, you can just, here's what you take in the morning, here's what you take in the afternoon. Makes it easier from a compliance standpoint too, aside from the efficacy of it. I mean, people don't get, I just forgot, it begins with an H when they're detoxing. The Herx reaction? Yeah, the Herx reaction. I don't see people getting that when they're on Cellcore products. And that's a big problem. And I think a big reason why people get that reaction is because practitioners are putting patients or patients are going online and getting detoxification products and they start detoxing before they they have their, their drainage pathways open. So if you're not having three stool movements a day, a minimum of two a day, you're not ready for detox. If you're not going number two, at least twice a day, you're not ready for any detox program. 
If your liver and kidneys aren't clearing, so what happens is you're not getting the toxins out and they're just recycling back through in the body right. and making you feel horrible. That's why a lot of people that do iodine, you know, that's a whole other controversial topic in itself yeah. and, and even with thyroid. But if you're taking iodine by itself, iodine can cause you to have those reactions because it, it detoxes. So a lot of people take other things with it, like selenium. There's a few other mm-hmm. things they'll take alongside it to help deal with that reaction. But yeah, if you're dealing with those Herx reactions, more than likely your body's not ready for detox and your detox yeah. pathways aren't even open, allowing those toxins to expel from your body, which happens well, how? Through urine, through feces, and you know, sweat. You got to be able to, you also got to, I mean, how many patients have you dealt with women patients that don't sweat? I need to ask that more. You know, because I, I, yeah, I can, I can speak just. For, you know, my wife's not listening to the podcast. She just, you know, she, she, she doesn't sweat very much. Like she's never been much of a sweater. And then mm. as she started going through cell core, the protocol, and started clearing out her liver and kidneys. Oh wow! Suddenly she's sweating now. Wow. Well, her liver wasn't detoxing properly. So where's it going to go? It's going to try to start pushing toxins out through the skin. You know. Oh my gosh. And so, Oh, I'm so glad. This is very interesting what you just said. If women are having difficulty and not saying with every woman, but it makes sense. If they're having, if they're challenged, their difficulty in sweating, you, you want to take a look at the liver. Absolutely. If you have eczema, you want to take it to the liver. Yes. The liver. I mean, so it means a lot of these say skin issues, you, you want to immediately go look at the liver and then the gut, but because you got to look what, the skin is a detox system as well, alongside the liver. So you have to look at all these different ways we detox. And if we're having difficulty with any of three, any of those ways, there's probably an issue somewhere else that we need to dig deep into. One of the things that I see a lot of, and is always a great sign, I have a client that has, I'm working with, and she has PCOS, we completely changed her diet. Her rosacea went away, like she had her for years. I have a client yesterday sometimes you have to pull it out of people. So what are the changes that you're seeing? Yeah. And then she went, oh yeah, I don't have the rash anymore. Like that's not a big deal. I said, can you please pause? And I had her on a biotoxin binder and not biotoxin binder, excuse me, on the bowel mover. Yeah. And she's so congested. It's like her body doesn't know what to do with it. And I said, just start it slow. Yeah. You, you know, you can take too much of these bowel movers and uh, cell cores, bowel mover, but uh, products, you have to, you got to find the sweet spot. And another thing that I combine f- with detoxification, because I have so many women that are constipated, I do castor oil treatment yep. where they can put castor oil on the belly and put a heating pad that covers from the liver all the way down to the pubic bone. And that castor oil is really fabulous in opening the liver and helping to detox, but also to dislodge a lot of that gunk that's that's in the bowels. Well, you have to understand how important that is to the bowels. Oh I mean, the, the gut is so important. I don't know that I could count five thyroid patients that didn't have constipation. Almost every one of them oh, had yeah. constipation, which then you look at in and it's more than and it's, then it becomes more than just the thyroid because you have to realize and people mistake certain thyroid symptoms. And we're bringing this up because if you have people on here that are dealing with thyroid issues, chances are they deal with anxiety and hair thinning and depression, dry skin. Yep. Yeah. But some of those issues are not thyroid. They are thrown in as a thyroid symptom because most thyroid patients have those symptoms. But some of those actually are serotonin deficiency symptoms, like the anxiety, depression, constipation. Um, and where do we make, you know, 98% of our neurotransmitters are dopamine, serotonin, GABA. Where's that created? It's created in the gut and then crosses the, the, the blood-brain barrier to get to the brain. I was going to say you need serotonin for motility. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. But you right? also need... The serotonin and TSH have a, a working relationship. Yes. Serotonin's got a relationship with progesterone and so many things. I mean, it's very, very, it's an important neurotransmitter. With the thyroid, oftentimes it can start up at the top. You know, you're dealing with, you know, the hypothalamus and you're dealing with the brain, which is triggering, you know, the pituitary to then tell the thyroid to create hormone, which then it 
you know, creates the hormone and goes through the liver, right? It comes to the liver to create that hormone and then, you know, and liver and gut and other peripheral tissues and organs. But if you don't have that serotonin to begin with, you're going to have a decreased brain function. You're going to have decreased pituitary output and decreased thyroid output. So it's like chicken and the egg again. It's like, it's this circle of cycle of circle. Is it now, is it the thyroid or is it really a gut, massive gut dysfunction that we have to clean up, which now is going to change your thyroid conversion because you convert about 20% of your hormone in in the gut. Mm -hmm. It's going to change your serotonin conversion. It's going to change your vitamin D, your estrogens, testosterone, all those things convert in the gut. And really, like when I deal with any kind of thyroid patient, PCOS patient, any patient at all, gut, gut, gut is one of the, I mean, I was just going to say everybody's got, I think it's really essential to do gut testing because it also gives a client something to see. It tells a story. It keeps someone committed to a program. Well, you I can think see the progress. Re- they can see you the see progress. progress. Yeah. And, and it's also for a lot of these clients, you know, there are very different markers and I could go through all that. I mean, but I also think looking at environmental toxins, looking at heavy metals, looking at uh, ke- chemicals that include glyphosate and looking at mycotoxins, mycotoxins turn up a lot. But when you treat the gut, so I always say if you're, for example, if a woman is having really bad PMS, is it? What's triggering that hormonal issue? You have to look at the gut. What is that person eating? What are they assimilating? What are they eliminating? What does the microbiome look like? Absolutely. It's everything. It's dysbiosis. It's Yeah, you got to look at that. And and that plays a major factor in PCOS, in in thyroid, in a lot of different conditions. But everything. It's a combination of looking at the gut, looking at how well the liver is working in terms of detoxification. It's looking at what are we exposed to in our environment and how do we clear all of that, right? Well, and if you look at the gut now, I mean, it used to be leaky gut, you know, was a, was a natural doctor term back in the, you know, 80s and 90s. And mm-hmm. it was a bunch of bogus. And now it's in, taught in medical literature that it's, in fact, a real thing, yep. gut permeability. But we can actually test for that now. You can test the You can test for it. So. Yeah. The thing is, is why, for me, I'm a, a, a why guess when you can test. If we know we have major gut dysfunction, well, let's check, let's go through the, just check off the box. Are you, are you having at least two bowel movements a day? Okay. Do you have sensitivities to all these different foods? Are you dealing with environmental toxicity or parasites? Are you dealing with uh, gut permeability? All these things we can test for and we can look. So then we know what our starting point is. And, and especially if you're dealing with any kind of environmental toxin, why wouldn't you test? Because how do you know you've completely gotten rid of it unless you test to find out if it's completely gone? And so you take a great comprehensive approach. I love your approach and how you test for things because, like I said, why why guess when you can test? Um, plus I love that. That's a great. It, it's true. Well, then, it really makes it, 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 the beginning like, hey, you know what? This You go back to, because some patients, this is a lot of women. I dealt with a lot of women. They go back and... I'm a husband, so I know how husbands can be. And you have three daughters. You, you, you spend how much money on what, what? How do you know you have this or that? You know what I mean? I, I know how guys can be. And you want to know what? When they can come home you know, and say, here's my panels. I'm dealing with major mold. I'm dealing with you know, dysbiosis. I'm dealing with you know, leaky gut, whatever it is. There's just a different buy-in as opposed to, no, I do have a health journey I need to, to take to get on and take care of. And now I have the support of my spouse, whether husband or wife, or, or, you know, whatever, whoever your spouse is, you have the support of them, which is a huge factor in the healing, in the healing journey. And oftentimes if you don't run tests, you can have spouses that don't, that aren't as supportive as, as they probably need to be because they don't have the empirical data, the objective data to say, why am I spending all this money you know, how do I know you really have, you know, you did really dealing with this. Maybe that, that person's just trying to sell you stuff. You know what I mean? So I, I love that you test, test, test. And I want to ask you one more thing. What do you feel about H. pylori? Do you see much of that with thyroid? I mean, I would see it occasionally. It wasn't like a norm. Like there's a lot of different things I would see that like almost like clockwork. I could almost count on it being H. pylori wasn't one of them. 
obviously everybody has certain level of H. pylori in their body. Right. But kind of like candida, we all have certain amount of yeah. candida and it's but a matter of whether or not it's, it, it, mm-hmm. it explodes. So uh, to be perfectly, just to be perfectly candid and, oh, and you know, and we talk, I try to yeah. speak to what I've had more clinical experience with. And then right. when I dive into certain things that I didn't necessarily have clinical experience, I had no problem referring to an expert that did, you know, I consider myself more of an expert in thyroid and in mm-hmm. gut dysfunction and it kind of fall outside of that. I, I more want that patient to get better. So if that means I need to send them somewhere else, then I, I'm going to do that. So, but I didn't see it very often. It was very, you know, handful of times. It wasn't as common from what I saw. Now, acid reflux, I saw that a lot. Yes. I saw that a lot. Not like some of these other ones, but maybe 40, 50% of the time with, with uh, thyroid patients, I saw acid reflux. Me too. A lot of Tums, a lot of PPIs. Yeah. Which, okay. which goes back to that foundational aspect. If you can't break things down to begin with in your right. stomach, any supplement you're taking, you're not going to utilize it, break it down and utilize most of it. So now think once you get those organs working, now any kind of supplementation that you're taking from your practitioner, you're going to absorb a lot more mm-hmm. of that product yep. because you're actually breaking it down and, and, and moving it through the body the way it needs to. This has been a great conversation. And I just to clarify a few things for people again, anytime we're looking at Hashimoto's or actually looking at any autoimmune issue, but when you're looking at thyroid, you always want to look at the gut. You want to look at the liver. You want to look at your diet. You want to make sure that you're digesting, you're assimilating, you're eliminating. Stress is another component. We could talk about that another time. But also clearing environmental toxins and being as smart, as I said you know, earlier, I want to make sure you're a badass shopper, that when you look at the ingredients on products, you know, like, for example, that oat milk, oat milk has a lot of junk in it. And so many people are converting over to oat milk. <laughs> yeah, we could go on. Well, you, you know what? It, it, one thing I was going to say, I just want to leave one last thing, especially yeah, with the thyroid. Do. If I could leave a final note here would be, if you have a thyroid issue or you suspect that you have a thyroid issue, make sure you go to a practitioner that will run a comprehensive thyroid panel and make sure they're running other panels like liver panel and iron panel, but at a mm-hmm. bare minimum, a comprehensive thyroid panel, not just TSH, T3, right. T4. Because I can't tell you how many patients that come in my door that have been treated for hypothyroid, been on thyroid medication for a decade or more, right. and they found out for the first time in their entire life that they had Hashimoto's in my office, even though they had been to multiple doctors over those decades, and no one bothered to check the full panel. They've been giving them thyroid meds, and this is the symptom you get. You go on thyroid meds, you feel good for about three months, you go back to your doctor because you start feeling like crap again, your doctor runs TSH and T3 again, and it looks normal. Well, of course it's normal because he's giving you synthetic T3, which is artificially raising your TSH and T3 numbers. If You have to run that because there's a difference between autoimmune thyroid and a true thyroid issue. Autoimmune thyroid, Hashimoto's, in my opinion, is not a thyroid condition. It's an immune system condition. And when you can get that right. immune system no to calm in, down, yeah. mm-hmm. your thyroid starts the to function again. Drop. Right. Correct. And your thyroid starts functioning again the way it needs to be. But oftentimes, most thyroid patients are on thyroid meds. They've been on them for years. They still don't feel good. They're still not losing weight. They still don't have energy. Yeah. And they've had Hashimoto's this entire time. Just nobody bothered to run the right test to let them know that. So they're being mistreated. And they've been mistreated for years. And that's that's the most unfortunate part. So if you're listening to this and you have a thyroid issue, you think you do, make sure you find a doctor that can run a full thyroid panel. Because if you have Hashimoto's, you need to be treated completely differently than a, just a regular hyper or hypothyroid patient. Thank you. You're the best. I really enjoyed today's conversation. I'm going to have to have you come back again. We'll pick Absolutely. another topic. Pick another topic. And you want to know what we mentioned what? here is... Uh, if you want, I, if you can't get a hold of Stuart, let me know. But Stuart would be a great. Oh my God, Stuart Hoover! Yeah, yes. he's a, he I love a retired Stuart. naturopath, um, functional wow. medicine, and, and is the director of uh, 
some other labs, but he'd be another great person for your podcast. Okay, well, I will give him a shout. So I want to thank all our listeners today. And again, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on Spotify and iTunes. Leave a good review. It's going to help somebody out there in thyroid land that could really use this information. And if you would like to work with me, you can reach me at MegRichichi.com. I want to wish everyone an awesome day. Thank you so much for listening. And ladies, take good care. I'll see you real soon. And thank you so much for joining me on the Hormone Lifestyle Zone.